I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, verses 20 through 22. I'll give you a moment to get there. All right, Matthew chapter 9, starting verse 20. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening and for those that have been able to make it tonight. Lord, And we know we have many on our heart that are, um, are sick tonight, Lord. Many that are in the hospital or uh, just unable to get out. And Lord, we pray for those folks. We pray that you bring healing to those that are sick. The many prayer requests that were mentioned uh, tonight of, of those that are ill. And we just uh, pray for your healing hand upon them as you healed this woman with the issue of blood. And Lord, we uh, just pray for our pastor this evening as well as he is preaching at the, the conference tonight. Give him power, Lord. Give me power tonight, Lord. Use me as I uh, bring this message that you've laid on my heart, and I, I pray that it will be a blessing to your people. I pray that you give me uh, clarity in my speech and in my thought, Lord, and uh, help me not to have my voice mess things up or anything, Lord, but just help me to be conscious of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you will move, and again, that this message will be a blessing. I pray for those in the other parts of the church, Lord, other classes. I pray that you'll um, just speak to the hearts of the youth and the children as well, and we just pray that you'll bring salvation to anyone here tonight that's lost, wherever they are in the building. Lord, we know the youth have had a lot of visitors from the community, and Lord, that's an answer prayer. We're glad to hear that, Lord, but... What we really want to see is those kids be saved. And we pray that you will do that. And Lord, just uh, be with us this evening, Lord. Watch over us through this week. And Lord, help us to be a light in this dark world. We do pray for our world tonight, Lord. Our, our world is a mess. Uh, so many things going on, Lord, but we know that in the last times, Lord, that man will wax worse and worse, and there'll be wars and rumors of war. And Lord, we just know that and let us find comfort that you're in control. You are still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we thank you for that. We know that you're in control. We know that your return, your return is drawing nigh, Lord. And just help us to remember that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So the title of my message tonight is The Hymn of His Garment. Now the account here of the woman with the issue of blood that we just read, it's uh, you know, it's a familiar story. It's one that I've heard time and time again. You know, I've heard messages about this woman and, and what happened, and I've read it myself. There's a lot of great truths to be taken from just these few little verses. And a few of those tonight are, for example, we find the approachableness of Christ. You see, according to Leviticus 15, this blood condition that this woman had would have made her unclean. If you read Leviticus 15, it talks specifically about women with, this, with the blood issue. And that's exactly what she had. And it would not only make her unclean, but 
pretty much everything and everyone that would come in contact with this woman would be unclean as well. And it, and it wasn't a simple, easy, quick process to make yourself or, or, or to work towards becoming clean again after this. So what I think we can conclude is that she's probably spent a lot of time by herself. A lot of time where she couldn't be around family and friends like she wanted to. It probably, and I would say it did keep her and shut her out from even the Lord's house and being around the Lord's house and being able to worship with the other ladies. She was unclean. But what we find here is that even though this woman, ceremonially speaking, was unclean, this did not shut her out from being able to approach Christ directly. You see, she came right up to Christ. And Christ did not push her away. Christ did not rebuke her. Christ welcomed her. In fact, Christ called her daughter. We also can see here the power of Christ. You know, for 12 years, this lady went to physician after physician after physician. It reminds me of what's happening with my father right now and, and what's happened with, with Sister Holt. You know, nobody can find answers. No one can fix the issues. For 12 years, she did this. And not only was she not getting better, but the Bible says she was getting worse. And here in one moment, with just the touch of the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ, it says in Mark 5, 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. That's the power of Christ. One touch on the hem of his garment healed completely. Another thing we see quickly is the love of Christ. You know, he not only didn't rebuke this woman, didn't send her away, showed her love and was welcoming to her, called her daughter. He healed her physically. He didn't stop there. He talked to her and he said, your faith has made you whole. So he didn't stop with the physical. So he made her whole. That means he also healed her spiritually. She was saved. Her sins had been forgiven her. <clears throat> now, just to be funny, I was, I was looking up some stuff as I was preparing for this message. And I looked up on YouTube, Hymn of His Garment. And I came across a message by Kenneth Copeland. You all know who Kenneth Copeland is? I thought just to be funny, you know, he's one of those uh, health and wealth uh, preachers, you know. I thought, just be funny, let me listen to what, what he has to say about this. And, and so, uh, you know, one of the things he did, when he talked about being made whole, he said, well, this lady, going to all these physicians, she must have been pretty well off. She must have had some money to keep going to physicians. I mean, it costs money to go to doctors, right? And so he said, well, when Jesus made her whole, that means whole. Praise God. <laughs> that is a little laugh, you know. And uh, talking about being made whole, not just physically, but, oh, she got her money back. And then somehow, I don't know quite how he did it, even though I was listening to it, he got the tithing somehow from that. Not really sure, but that's what he did. So I thought, that was just a funny little thing that I found while studying here. But, but, you know, it's things like this that we have found time and time again when hearing about and reading and studying out this scripture. But there's one part of the scripture that I never really took any deeper than face value. 
And that's the idea that she touched the hem of his garment. Now, a few weeks ago, I was again on YouTube, and, you know, they got these things called YouTube Shorts. It's real short videos that just start playing. And I've not been able to find this video since, but I, I listened to it. And like I said, it was just a short thing, but it was a guy he was talking to. It looked like several, uh, at least a couple of Jewish. They didn't look like rabbis, but, you know, some kind of religious type leaders. And they were talking about this particular portion of Scripture. And this statement that is made where she touched the hem of his garment. And they brought out something to me that just blew my mind. Because I'd never heard it before. I never thought about it before. And so... That, along with some other things that, in my study, that I found kind of connecting all this, I wanted to share with you tonight. And if you've already heard these things, you already know it, then great, praise God with me that, you know, these things are pretty cool, you know. If you haven't, then great, you know, we're all kind of learning together. But um, going to this hymn of his garment, now when I read that, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me, except I think, okay, the, you know, hymn of his garment down here, small part of his garment, had the complete power to, to heal this woman. That's awesome. And I think of him, you know, I think of, you know, all of our shirts have hymns on them, right? Our pants. But they don't really hold any significance to me. Does the hymn on your pant or your shirt hold any significance to you? Of course not. You know, it's just a hymn. But there's something deeper in this idea of the hymn of his garment. And in order to find that, you have to look at the word here that is used for him. Now here, it's the Greek word here in Matthew chapter 9. It's the Greek word, kraspidon. And the Hebrew equivalent of that word is zitzit. Now there's several different meanings when you look at the Greek and Hebrew lexicon, but the last two are the ones that I think have to do with this particular uh, section of Scripture. So here's the last two. In the New Testament, obviously we're in the New Testament right here, so that's why I think it fits. A little appendage hanging down from the edge of the mantle or cloak made of twisted wool. Here's the other one. A tassel, tuft. The Jews had such appendages attached to their mantles to remind them of the law. Now, in some of the videos that I was watching in regards to this um, that were made from um, Jewish folks, is that it seemed to point to the prayer shawl more than anything. But, you know, obviously you can hear in these definitions, it doesn't specifically say prayer shawl. It talks about a garment. But um, in a lot of places, it looked like the prayer shawl was like the main thing that would have these tussles. And the prayer shawl was a long garment that they would put over their heads or on their heads and it would hang down. And there were all these tassels on it. And it was a rectangular garment. So there was four corners. And on these four corners is where these crespidons would hang. Okay. Now, the instructions to wear these was actually given to the Jews by God in Deuteronomy 22.12. He says there, Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. <clears throat> and so, just from these definitions, we know that this hymn is, is something different than, you know, what we 
equate hymns as being, right? So instead of just being kind of the bottom of your shirt or your pants, this is a, a, a tassel that would hang on the corners of your garments. And so what's significant about these? Well, I want to talk about three different things that are significant. First, your tassels were representative of who you were as a person. In fact, some cultures, the tassels were an important social statement of a or a representation of the person who owned it. Now, there are some examples that uh, I found in my study. <clears throat> For instance, there were some ancient letters that had referred to, and, and there's, a, there's a connection here between people's hair and these tassels or these fringes. I'm not exactly sure what that connection is. Maybe because the end of a tassel kind of looks like strands of hair. Maybe it's because one's a representative of a person, another one is an actual part of a person, their hair. I'm not exactly sure, but um, you'll see in these letters. So there's, uh, I found examples of a couple of ancient letters that were written where one was about a trustworthy man. And the author of the letter makes sure to state that because this man was trustworthy, he didn't take any of his hair or the fringe of his garment. Now, on the other hand, there was a, another ancient letter found where the author was referring to a man who had been dishonest in his dealings. And he said in this letter, and I quote, I now hereby dispatch to my Lord the fringe of his garment and a lock from his head. So you can see this idea of like, you know, uh, an honest person, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take from a lock of his hair or, or his fringe, but a, a dishonest person, you might take of that lock of hair and that fringe as a representation that person was dishonest. Furthermore, we have uh, in some illiterate societies, they would actually impress the hem of one's garment into soft clay to substitute as a signature substitute of a signature. So somebody who couldn't, you know, write their signature, then they would use their, their hymn or their tassel, use that as their seal to give their word about something. Additionally, ancient diviners. Now, these are people that, you know, would say that they could see the future, know the future. They would have visions. Well, these folks, they would actually deliver declarations to whatever king was there at the time, asserting the validity of their visions by including their hair and fringe. Now, in the Bible, we can also see the, the use of these. We know the Pharisees, right? They wore uh, these tassels along with the phylacteries on their head. Now, are you all familiar with phylacteries? That's the like leather box that they would use many times put on their forehead or on their arm. It have parts of the Word of God, and it's just to kind of keep the Word of God close and, and to have it as a remembrance and, and, you know, make it right there where they could get to it. And a matter of fact, we find in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5, that Jesus brought this up with the Pharisees when he was talking about how the Pharisees were and how they were just worried about, you know, man seeing them, because he said here that they made their phylacteries broad and enlarged the borders of their garments to be seen of men. So see their phylacteries, they would make them bigger than they really were supposed to be or needed to be. They would make the tassels longer and maybe, 
who knows, maybe they had sequence in the day and would put some sequence. I don't know. But they would also they would make it bigger, make it larger, make it more out there so that they could be seen of men. And so that people say, oh man, look at that big phylactery that he has. Look at those crazy tassels. Man, they must really love the Lord, love God. They must really know the law, right? Now this also, to me, and I, I thought this was very interesting, this seems to be one reason why David was so distraught with himself when he cut the, uh, the hem or the, the border of Saul's garment. Remember when he was uh, hiding in the cave from Saul? And unbeknownst to Saul, when he went in to go rest, David and his men were there. and They, they could have killed him. But what did David do instead? It says he cut the skirt of his garment. Now, that skirt, the word there is kanap. And it means the corner of the garment. I want you to remember that for later. So he cut that. Now, again, it's the corner of the garment. Where are the tassels located? On the corner of the garment. And so it's starting to make sense to me. It's like, remember David, he was real upset with himself that he cut this corner of Saul's garment. Do you remember that? I mean, he could have killed him. I mean, that's a whole lot better thing than taking his life, right? But he was still very... Very disturbed with himself for even doing that. And it starts to make sense because if you cut the corner, then maybe there was a tassel on there that represented Saul and his position and his power and who he was, right? And here is David cutting it off, taking it from him, right? And so he goes through his mind like, yeah, I didn't kill the Lord, but I touched him. I, I, I took a piece of him. I cut off a piece of him, something that represented who Saul was. And he was very, very upset of himself for even doing that. And then it even makes further sense when you remember at some point after this, their men all crossed. Remember, they were a far distance away and they started yelling at each other. And Saul had found out that David was in that cave with him and could have taken his life and that David had cut off the, the corner of his garment. And it seems like Saul was starting to realize, hey, this is, this is symbolic of my position, my power being taken away from me from David by God because he says in their back and forth here and they're shouting in 1 Samuel 24, 20, he says, and now, now, after what just happened, now, behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. See, it all starts making a little bit more sense, at least to me. But what you also see here is a beautiful picture of Christ and what his tassels represented about him, right? Because when she grabbed his hem of his garment, which is the, the corner and the tassel, that's what she grabbed, what did she find in those tassels that represents Christ? We already talked about it. She found healing, right? She found healing. What is, what is Christ about? Christ is about healing. Matter of fact, she wasn't the only one. If you look in other parts of, of Scripture, like Mark 6.56, there were uh, throngs of people that had come to him to be healed. And, and again, they just touched the hem of his garment or the border of his garment and were healed. She also found forgiveness in grabbing that tassel. That's what Christ is about, forgiveness. 
She also found out that Jesus, and, and it's shown and proved to hear that Jesus is who he said he was. He was God because no man could not only heal the body, but heal the soul and forgive sins. See, it was a proof of his divinity, his position as the Son of God. And of course, he also proved to be trustworthy and powerful. So this is a great picture of these tassels representing who Christ was. Now, secondly, as we read in the uh, very definition of this word, craspidon, that the tassels were a reminder of the law for the Jews. And so this account, when you, when you think of it that way, is also a perfect picture of the grace of God. This woman, a Jewish woman, had an issue of blood. But what do we all have as lost people? We all have a blood issue, don't we? Our blood can't do anything. We could all have died on the cross, and it wouldn't have changed a thing. Right? And during the Old Testament, you know, they brought the, the blood of the sacrifice, the lamb, the animals. That was only good for a short time. It had to be done over and over and over again. It was only the blood of Christ that satisfied. <clears throat> and when she reached out as a, as a, well, when she reached out here, you know, we, we find out that she did everything that she could do on her own to fix her issue, but what? She came up short. What does Romans 3.23 say? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, we can do whatever we think we can to merit our way to heaven. And it's never going to work. We can never get there on our own. And then when she reached out, she reached out for the part of the garment that we found in our definition that represented the law to the Jewish people. Now, is that odd for the Jewish people to look to the law for salvation? No, it's not. Matter of fact, that's what the Pharisees are doing. That's what the phylacteries and the, 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 the long tassels were for. You know, they thought the, the knowledge of the law, the adherence to the law would bring salvation. And, and Many people today are in that almost exact same boat, but instead of saying, you know, they're following the law, they say, oh, I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I try to do good. I try to have my good outweigh my bad. It's the same thing. But the law doesn't bring salvation. What she found out is she didn't get healed from the tassel. She didn't get healed from the hem of the garment. She got healed by the one behind the tassel whom the tassel represented, and that was Christ. And that's where we find our salvation, is in Christ. And when our pastor was preaching Sunday night, he, he was in John chapter 1, and man, one of them verses that he read, I was like, bam, I got to use that Wednesday. And as John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, who we know ultimately got it from God, right? He was the one that gave it to the people. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law will not save. Only Christ will. 
Now third, and, and this was the part of the video that they mentioned that really kind of blew my mind that I had not really heard before. And uh, basically what we find out here is these accounts, or, or this account here uh, of this woman, and what happened in other parts where other people were you know, touching the hem of his garment to be healed. Well, this is really proof that Jesus is the Messiah of the Old Testament. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 4. <clears throat> and we're in Matthew, so it's just the next book over. Malachi chapter 4. Now what we have here is a, a prophecy of the second coming, or the <clears throat> maybe in the Jews' view, the, the coming of the Messiah, the great and terrible day of the Lord. But let us read Malachi 4, 2. <clears throat> it says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, that section there that says healing in his wings, I've heard that time and time again. And when I read that, and when I've heard that, I think of a bird, right? Bird has wings. It's not much of a stretch to think about that. But that's where my mind goes automatically. And I think about, you know, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, God will take us under his wing. And you get that picture of like a, a mother hen protecting her, her little chickens, you know, and he's going to protect us. And that's where my mind goes. That is not what is being talked about here. This has nothing to do with birds at all. This word for wings is a Hebrew word. Remember, what, remember a word I told you to remember earlier? It was the word kanap. Guess what? Same word. The same word here, kanap. So this meaning of being a skirt or the corner of a garment the same word used in uh, the account of David and Saul where he cut off the canap, the corner of his garment. And that's not the only connection. Second connection here is it's also used in that Deuteronomy 22.12 where the instructions are given by God to have these tassels. Let's read it again. Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters. That's quarters is Canap, the four corners of thy vesture wherewith thou coverest thyself. <clears throat> so what we see here, and this blew my mind when this guy was talking about this, is that this is really prophecy fulfilled. You see, the Messiah will come. And of course, this is what the Jews were looking for, right? They were looking for the Messiah to come. And they missed Jesus because they were looking for a conquering Messiah, not a dying Messiah. He had come the first time to die. But this second coming is when he comes to bring his kingdom. And it says here he will come with healing in his wings, healing in the corner of his garment. So this is showing and proof that Jesus Christ is that same Messiah because here in Mark chapter 9 with the woman with the issue of blood, he brought healing in his wings. Healing in the corner of his garment. Healing in that tassel that hung from the corner that she grabbed. It's prophecy. 
It's proof that Jesus, again, is who he said he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He has come once, but he will come again. And again, like I said, that just blew my mind. I'd never made that connection before. Never thought about that. I thought it was just so awesome to, to see just more prophecy being filled, more proof of that, that Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. And I am so thankful for that tonight. Now, in conclusion, I just want to say, you know, the Bible is a wonderful book. And we all know it's more than just a book. It is the very word of God. And the Bible is alive. Now, that doesn't mean it's like alive because it's constantly changing or updating itself. No, it's alive because there's always more to find. There's always more to look into. No matter how many times we've read a story, read a portion of Scripture, no matter how many times we've heard a, a, a message about it, there's always more to learn. I've heard this story about this woman time after time again. And, and, to, and just in studying, hearing that one video, and in studying out, I can see three different things that I never even thought about. That's the power of God's Word. That's the beauty of God's Word. And it's just a, a lesson to all of us, myself included, to just continue on studying the Word of God. Continue to look for those things. And God will reveal them to you when you need them. You know, you could read something 15 times. And like, okay, I've read that, I've read that, I get it, I get it, I get it. 16th time, oh, oh, God, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that before, thank you, Lord. But keep on keeping on with studying God's Word. And it becomes alive to you because you just keep finding new and, and different nuggets of truth to take a hold of. <clears throat> so that's all I had for tonight. And I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And like I said, if you, if you already knew this, fantastic. I'm, I'm happy. I wish you would have shared it with me earlier because I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, anyway, I just pray that it was a blessing to you. And uh, let's go ahead and we'll close. Um, let's, uh, let me get the hymn book here. Okay.